Blog Talk Radio. Collectively Rewilding is an online forum for learning, sharing, and teaching the skills needed to enhance our experience in the natural world. We're looking for the best mentors, guides, and instructors who can teach a variety of natural skill sets. If you've got something to share, we have the platform to help you make a difference for free. If you are more interested in learning and expanding your abilities in nature, please join us as a member to explore the world of rewilding. Join us at www.collectivelyrewilding.com today. Looking for something different? Looking for something fun? Join Dan every Monday on the Freedomizer Network, 9 to 10.30 Pacific, noon to 1.30 Eastern, for Common Sense with the educated redneck, Dan Ellison. The show about everything and nothing at all. Global government, the mystery school, Agenda 2030, chemtrails and geoengineering, manufactured disasters. We live in a time when awareness about current events and big media deception is critical to be prepared for the events that are rapidly descending upon us. This is Russ from Delivering the Truth and Exposing the Lies. Join Diana and me every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. as we expose the truth big media keeps lying about. Herbal medicine, the globalist real agenda, seen through the propaganda. Thursday nights at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you there. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Hello to all you something duckers out there. The CEO of Lies make a demand and I shoot a holiday video. We need to promote everyone get their Lies make boosters every week. All you nimwits and rubes just keep taking it. But Mr. G, Globalist wants me to be nicer to you since this will be your last holiday season on Earth. By the way we now have the suicide pods available for rental. Before you enjoy your last breath in a suicide pod, we need you scalawags to get tested for COVID. You must be completely up to date on your vaccine passport. Absolutely no exceptions. When you step into the suicide pod, we do not want you to catch COVID. You must also wear at least five scams on your face, with a minimum of two of your scams being an N95. After you take a final breath on Earth, we will give you another COVID test. Both before and after your trip to the suicide pod, you will be required to go through the TSI naked body scan. We need to make sure you're not hiding any Ivermectin, Federal Reserve notes, or carbon inside your person. 
for all we know you could be a something duckler that likes to hide Nuremberg code inside your junk. We need to keep you comfortable and safe. Also please remember, when your person turns to ashes and dust, please do make sure you are still keeping with local social distancing guidelines. You must still keep your ashes six feet away from the previous customer. If you refuse to get in the suicide pod, we will take it to the local FEMA camp. That is all and have a holiday season. Hello Freedomizers. I am Broccoli Man. When I am not fighting crime, I listen to the Proof Negative radio show. I am the Wire Ripper. Not only do I forbid you to listen to Freedomizer Radio and the Proof Negative Radio Show, I am going to demand you wear a mask and get your naked body scan. We need to protect the One World Government. You getting the real information hurts a crime syndicate. Do not listen to Proof Negative. You must now disrobe this instant so I can check your person for a constitutional cash money. Anyway, listen to Proof Negative on Freedomizer Radio. Weeknights 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Freedomizerradio.com Now, let's get back to the Proof Negative show here on Freedomizerradio.com Welcome to the Proof Negative Radio Show, right here on FreedomizerRadio.com. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Thank you. 
to be blunt, I think they're kind of just horrible, miserable people that want to make other people miserable as well. <laughs> Boy, you're starting to sound like a conservative. Um, I know. Because uh, yeah, 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 yeah. First of all, thank you for coming on. I would imagine this is the last place you ever thought you would be on. Oh, never in a million years did I think that this would happen. <laughs> right, right. Um, you are a Democrat, um, and or well, you I were. Was. You were a Democrat. You're an independent now, and it's yeah. my – we had an <laughs> argument. Shawty went to – she went to a Trump rally, and we're <laughs> – this is kind of funny because it's only been 23 seconds, and she went to a Trump rally, and – she immediately said, I'm independent after leaving the Trump rally. It is crazy how that happened, bro. A, a proclaimed Democrat, like, she, she go hard. She said, nah, man, I'll switch his side. <laughs> I'll switch his side. She's in the middle now. That's funny. Um, that's a little hilarious. I want to know what exactly happened at this rally. Uh, I'm a little scared, but let's get into it. Back and forth. It's my understanding that you are still going to be voting for a Democrat or possibly voting. You're not, you haven't changed to a Trump supporter or, or, or voter, right? Well, I really don't know. I mean, I frankly wow. don't know who my options are wow. in the general election. And I think that uh, there are absolutely some, some uh, pretty high pro. Wow. All it took was to go to a rally, bro. Like, this is crazy. She had a whole personality switch. Like, she had an identity crisis at the rally, bro. I need to know what happened there. Profile contenders that I will not vote for under any circumstances. So we'll see. So tell the story for anybody who didn't read. Tell your story. Yeah, so I, um, you know, I had been going on this journey for the past, you know, six months or so where I was really starting to feel very uncomfortable in an echo chamber that I had created for myself. And I started listening to just different conservative voices. And they kind of all culminated when I decided to go to the Trump rally in Manchester, New Hampshire last week. I thought if there's anything, I, I can't think of anything bigger I could do to break out of my very liberal echo chamber. And everyone that I talked to about this idea was genuinely concerned for my safety and that includes people on the left and the right they were both really concerned that i was going to be physically harmed at this rally mm. either by the supporters or by antifa or whoever but i decided to go anyway and i discovered that you know hey shocker they're just average normal people that are really really nice and welcoming and so <laughs> and, i wrote about it <laughs> and you said at one point you thought those people were but she thought they were going to be like menaces to society like rippers Rip her hair out, beat her up when she went. All, all in all, they're just normal people. Despicable and even deplorables. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely um, went through a phase probably for about a year and a half where I really thought that, you know, anyone who supported President Trump was at best supporting racism and at worst downright racist themselves. Yeah. Wow. Um, and where did that come from? I was watching a lot of MSNBC. <laughs> what is that? Okay. All right. Uh, and then why did you become uncomfortable? 
Well, I, I'm a knitter, and in the knitting community, and I know this sounds bizarre, but it is a hyper-political um, community at the moment where they have these kind of roving gangs of social justice warriors just attacking people and mobbing them indiscriminately. And hey, when hey, I stop, 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 stop. You're asking me to yeah. process way too much, first of all. I would argue that, and I've never been to a rally, but just based off the videos I saw, you actually have a stronger chance of getting attacked at a more liberal rally if you're a Trump supporter than if you are a, a Democrat and you go to a Trump rally. I, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to pick sides, but that's the truth, man. If, you go, if you're a Trump supporter, like a full-fledged, and you go to a Democratic rally or a liberal rally, you seriously have a higher chance of getting attacked. And the reason I'm saying that is because, like she said, she was a full bred liberal or democrat i don't know the difference i mean y'all say liberal i say democrat i don't know she she thought she said this that all the republicans or trump supporters were um racist at best that's what she said so just imagine that she thinks that imagine you have a group of people who think this that trump supporters are racist at best do you really think if you're a trump supporter you go to a rally for this people you will not get hurt you definitely, I'm not going to say you definitely will, but I'm saying there's a higher chance of you getting hurt. Oh, I know. <laughs> Most people didn't even know that there was a knitting, an online knitting community. Uh, and now I'm seeing knitters and roving gangs of social, something just doesn't fit here. It's not what I expect. Well, listen, I understand the feeling because I didn't expect it either. Right. <laughs> Um, but I started seeing this happen just over and over and over again. And at some point, I started speaking up within the knitting community and saying, guys, this is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. And then they came after me. And at that point, and I, I didn't get it as badly as a lot of people did. But um, at some point, I just said, I, I cannot align myself with these people politically. It's just it's wrong what they're doing. You talked about how one person was bullied so bad online that they, they became suicidal. Yes. Yeah. What? Wow. What? What are the what were the arguments about? Um, so in his case in particular, he started speaking up when the mobbings first started happening. And I swear I'm not making this up. All he did was post a poem on Instagram asking for kindness and asking for people to just see each other as human beings. And he was mobbed by thousands and thousands of people. And when he and he eventually did go into the hospital and then his husband posted on Instagram that, you know, please stop the hate. He's in the hospital. And it just got worse and kept escalating after that. So it was really it was really too bad. But thankfully, he's he seemed to have really rebounded and now is getting a lot of support from people like me. So who are these people that are in these ro roving mobs? They're just they're people on the very far left that um, anytime something sticks out to them that is outside of their ideology, they try to pressure people into kind of. Bed and this is this is what I've actually seen, man. Like I've, I'm learning more about it, and I've been watching videos like this, bro. It's it's really dangerous if you don't believe it. And I have videos on my channel, so don't say it's cap. I have the videos posted right now. Just go through my playlist, bro. You'll see. Um, the people, the Trump supporters who go to these um, liberal rallies or go to the college campuses, man, they are, they're borderline finna get punched in the face. Like, it's, it's really dangerous to see that stuff happening. And I've watched stuff where people go to Trump rallies, too. It's a whole different vibe, bro. It's like the far, far, far left forget that the people who support a different party are still humans. It's like you literally dehumanize them, look at them as, like, disgusting animals because they support Trump. That's not, 
Y'all probably know better than me, bro. Y'all probably know better than me. Let Comment down below if you have any experience with this, because this is just what I've seen. Bending the knee and, and issuing these massive apologies and, you know, pointing out all the areas where they are wrong in their lives and transphobic and homophobic and fatphobic and all these things. And it's just, they're, they're, I mean, to be blunt, I think they're kind of just horrible, miserable people that want to make other people miserable as well. <laughs> Boy, you're starting to sound like a conservative. Um, I know. Because, uh, I mean, this is, this is the thing that really we've been warning about. There's, there's disagreements on things um, that we can – disagreements on policies we can go on. But when you're trying to shut people up and you do it through fear and intimidation, it's – Yeah. It's a, That's what I'm seeing, bro. It's literal fear and intimidation. It's like – it's like they don't really care if you believe in the policies of the of the at that side. It's more so this: if you don't, this is how the, the thoughts are. If you don't support our side, we are going to punish you. Like we are going to punish you. You won't be able to post. You won't be able to go outside. We're going to punish you. It's like it's like intimidation. Like who do you even think you are to say something like that or to act in that way? Very. Um, a foreign kind of concept to America. Um, that's not who we were. That's not what made us great. That's not what made us big. And anyone who's doing it on any side is is really engaging in some really dangerous stuff because it always ends I, the I same way. I, I totally agree. And when people started telling me to shut up specifically, that was when I started really taking a look at it. Because for me, you know, expression is a gift that we've all been given. And, and if you want to change people's minds, you have to do it through conversation, not through intimidation. So you said the day you went to the Trump rally, MSNBC was there. And so you, yeah. you wanted to... Uh... Uh, you, you wanted to go among some familiar territory first, so you went, and uh, what was your experience there that morning? Well, I was wearing a red hat that looks kind of like a Trump hat that says make speech free again. It's my little protest against cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's always a conversation starter and people struck up a conversation and I said, oh, I'm thinking about going over to the Trump rally. And they were like, don't do it. They're going to hurt you. They're going to harass you. And one woman even offered me her pepper spray. And I just said, I, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to be fine. It's going to be OK. <laughs> so what was the what were you what were your thoughts? I just feel like it's a lot of delusion. Like, it's a lot of delusion on on that side, man. And and I'm not even saying this from a place of conservatism or whatever the crap, because I'm not, I don't even know enough about either side to support either side. I'm saying, like, just from what I've seen, like, it's fully dangerous. Like, they, they genuinely believe that the, the, the far-right Trump supporters are not human. Like, that's just what I've seen. They they believe they're evil. Thoughts, because I'm sure these people were being genuine. Yes. So what were your thoughts on on that, As, especially somebody of your profession, that you look and say, these people genuinely care about my safety. They're really warning me. And it's almost unhinged from reality. Well, yeah, and I think that, um, you know, when, when literally every single person around you is in fear of your safety, it's really hard not to question and say, yeah. what are they seeing that but I I'm don't not. see? But 
it's, it's also an indication that I knew I had to do it at that point because I knew I had to see for myself what was going on. Yeah, man. It's like at, at a, after a certain point, you got to be like, okay, what are you actually saying? And then once you see, you're like, oh, okay. So that's kind of in the phase. I'm mean, like, you kind of have to look and be like, okay, what exactly is going on? Is what they're saying have any merit? What am I supposed to be finding here? But yeah. If you have any more suggestions, comment down below. Now smash the subscribe button, and I'll see y'all on the next one. Peace. Hey guys, welcome to the Liberal Hive Mind. They really don't get it. You know what's normal behavior? Trying something over and over again, realizing it's not working, and changing course. That's what normal people do. You know what insane people do? The same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, by that definition, this administration is completely freaking off the rocker insane. We've been covering this whole Bidenomics story for a while. I think it's pretty much been at the headline. The economy obviously is the most important issue in really any election. Joe Biden obviously is completely underwater on that specific topic. And well, I think what people are hoping for, I think what most people are looking for, is a little bit of acknowledgement when it comes to culpability, personal responsibility, government policy specifically, aka government spending and a little bit of a backtrack or a little bit of a conversation at least on balancing the budget, you know, common sense monetary policy. But what do we get from these clowns and specifically what I mean by clowns are Biden administration officials and the clowns in the media. We get a whole bunch of copium, a whole bunch of propaganda signaling that they simply don't get it. They still don't get it. They are still singing the tune that they've done a fantastic job and that actually they deserve credit. Wait till you guys see this. We got some stuff to get into, so let's roll the tape. All right, folks, so this morning I tune in to CBS News. Face the Nation with Joe Biden's budget director, Shalonda Young. It started off by laying the groundwork. Well, kind of. Take a look. Our new CBS News poll says the most important challenge facing the country is inflation, with 7 in 10 Americans disapproving of President Biden's handling of it. Next, immigration at the border. And that issue is keeping a foreign aid package with badly needed support for Ukraine and aid to Israel tied up in Congress. The state of democracy is the third biggest problem in the eyes of Americans and rounding out the top four, gun violence. Another problem for which there seems to be little solution or political appetite for legislation that might help fix it. The executive director of our elections and surveys unit, Anthony Salvanto, is here. So, Anthony, Americans say inflation is the top problem, but it's at the lowest level in two years. Why is there a disconnect between data and perception? I think it starts with this larger sense of lost opportunity beyond the immediate, where more people say that they feel worse off than their parents were at their age than better. And that runs counter to what we typically think of as the American dream, right? And it's especially true for millennials, for Gen Xers, for people in that, in that age range where in the, they're in the prime of their working. Laying the groundwork while also pushing Joe Biden talking points, did you notice the narrative that she was attempting to set? Inflation still the number one concern for Americans. Joe Biden is underwater despite the fact that it seems as though inflation has tampered down. It seems as though it's best case scenario, but the people are still confused, huh? 
huh, I'm so confused. These absolute monumental morons. Inflation is down one and a half years after the price of literally everything went over pretty much 100 plus percent. Why is Joe Biden not getting credit for inflation coming down? Well, maybe because Joe Biden is part of the core issue that caused inflation to go up 100 percent in the first place. You know, we had one month where inflation year over year was up 9 frickin' percent. 9 percent in a single month. Add that up with all the other months. We are now poorer and much less off. We are struggling. And so, yeah, just because inflation now goes down to, what is it, like 3 to 4 percent, doesn't mean Joe Biden gets credit. That's like somebody coming with a giant dump truck full of frickin' cow manure, dumping it on your front lawn, making your house smell like frickin' manure for 12 months straight, until it's all absorbed by the ground and then they come back a year and a half later you have lush grass it's looking okay and they say well look in the end I did a solid for you huh in the end it all worked out you left me with shit on my lawn unable to sleep waking up to the smell of freaking cow manure for over a year and now I'm supposed to say thank you in fact actually now what you want is to increase my taxes so now I'm supposed to pay you more money after you made me poorer even worse on top of all of that now they expect you to go vote for them and put them back in office because they did such a stellar job they don't get it well it's not that they don't get it they purposely don't get it they'd rather play politics They'd rather play stupid and ignorant than admit the basic truth. When asked the question, why don't you think the president's policies are resonating more? Again, this CBS fake news absolute clown attempting to paint this narrative that President Joe Biden deserves some sort of credit, but the people just aren't giving it to him. Absolutely despicable to be essentially pushing Biden campaign talking points instead of doing your job as a damn journalist. The top two issues for American voters are inflation and the border, and the president gets large disapproval rates for handling inflation, and Americans think his administration's actions led to it growing, as you can see there, not slowing. Why don't you think the president's policies are resonating more? Look, the president gets it, I get it. I have a 95-year-old grandmother in Clinton, Louisiana, so I get firsthand uh, feedback on what people are feeling at the ground uh, in these small little towns like I'm from. So I get it. The macro numbers are going as well as anybody could have predicted, right? Inflation coming down, uh, job numbers remaining strong, uh, but people have got to feel it. And it's going to take time. When the macro economy, uh, we see good numbers, that often takes time to, to trickle through, but we can't give up. I'm on his economics team, and the thing we focus on the most is how do we bring down costs. That's why you hear us talk about junk fees. What right. is that? That saves people's money when we go after banks and hotels, people who charge you an extra 20 or $50. But everything we market can, prices up 2% versus, you know, Yeah, but last everything year, we can do, we cannot leave any stone unturned to make sure people are paying less. And again, nonstop copium, nonstop copium. You know, the idea that Biden administration officials get to schedule these interviews with the media and simply get away with these lies is unthinkable. It's unimaginable. There's no pushback. She's essentially painting this narrative that they're doing a great job and that all the macro signs are proving that Bidenomics is working and that it's just going to take a little bit of time for things to clean up. Again, you don't get to do that. 
Even if that is true, how is there no legitimate pushback on that talking point suggesting, well, you know, we're kind of in this position to begin with because of your government spending, because of your government stimulus, and refusal to return back to pre-COVID spending, or at least close to pre-COVID spending. There's no challenge on that. They're just allowed to make that talking point for all the normie NPCs to swallow up, and it's just so incredibly frustrating. Things are going to get better, they say. Yeah, well, obviously things are going to get better, but they're worse because of you. You know, again, you don't get to come to my house, clog the toilet bowl, try to flush it 15 times, cause a total water catastrophe, then mop it up and say, well, hey, floors are looking pretty squeaky clean and shiny, huh? My response is, get the f*** out of my house. That's my thought process with these Biden clowns. Holy frickin' moly, I've never seen such a crew of dishonest little goons. It's unbelievable. And speaking of goons, they continue to get fact-check all over the place. President Biden's handlers write on Twitter, the economy created 199,000 jobs in November for a total of 14 million jobs since I took office. That's more than 14 million additional Americans who know the dignity and peace of mind that comes with a paycheck. Instantly gets fact-checked. Beautiful community notes. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, only 3.2 million jobs were created, with another 11 million jobs being recovered post-COVID. Joe Biden's handlers are out here wording his tweets saying specifically 14 million additional Americans now know the dignity and peace of mind that comes with a paycheck. 14 million additional, implying that they've created 14 million jobs. I mean, that is as absurd as absurd gets. It's an obvious lie. It's obvious propaganda. How can you take anything these people say about the economy seriously when they lie about the most basic statistics? How are these people supposed to tackle the very weak short-term outlook of the U.S. economy when they can't even acknowledge the basic truth that Americans are experiencing? This administration is dishonest, corrupt, and part of the biased, corrupt media machine. And today's video proves that perfectly. CBS News is doing their bidding. CBS News is pushing Democrat talking points instead of challenging Democrat propaganda. These people are elitist. They're out of touch. They do not care about you. And the only way to make this go away, the only way to fix this is to ensure that they are as far away as possible from the levers of power because they're a bunch of scumbag dishonest politicians anyways that's what i got for you guys hopefully you enjoyed this video if you did make sure to leave a like and possibly subscribe of course you know that we'd love to have you here thanks for watching friends and i'll see you on the next one You know, we don't call them saboteurs for no reason. That's exactly what they are because that's exactly what they do. I mean, it's by the definition. It's not an attack. It's not slander. It's certainly not a partisan hit job, considering us and Ronna McDaniel and others like her are supposedly on the same side of the political spectrum. It's not an attack. It's simply true. And this right here, this latest act of sabotage from Mitt Romney's little niece here, is pretty much the perfect example. Ronna McDaniel is actively trying to sabotage sabotage conservative voters. Let me show you guys exactly what I mean by that. We got some stuff to get into, so let's roll the tape. All right, folks, so the question is, who exactly is running the Republican Party? It certainly isn't the people, it certainly isn't the voters, and it certainly isn't the majority faction. No, apparently it's Mitt Romney through his niece as a proxy. What an absolute farce this is. Take a look. Ronna McDaniel apparently has scheduled two more debates with CNN before primaries, 
because she hates Trump and the GOP. On Thursday, CNN announced that Ronna McDaniel agreed to two more GOP debates before the presidential primary season kicks off in early 2024. This gives fake news CNN a chance to lob attacks at the frontrunner, Donald Trump, in two more debates. Why would Ronna do that? Does she hate Trump that much? Or is there some other sinister reason? Why on God's green earth would Ronna McDaniel schedule two more debates? That's the first question. This thing is done. It's wrapped up. Every single candidate has failed, or every single Trump challenger candidate, rather, has failed monumentally. It's an absolute waste of time. And I know that it's a waste of time based on the ratings themselves. Here's a post from a fellow ex-user who writes, Ratings disaster. The fourth GOP debate saw an 87.5% decrease in viewership from the first debate. The first GOP debate had 12.8 million viewers. The fourth debate, which is very confusing considering I thought only three were initially scheduled, brought in only 1.6 million viewers. That's a 90% decrease in views. Nobody is interested in Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, the list goes on. The only reason anybody watches it, it seems, is to see what Vivek is going to do this week. Whose career is Vivek going to end this time? Nobody's actually watching the debate seriously contemplating who they're going to vote for. So understanding that, understanding the numbers, understanding that this thing is freaking over, why would Ronna McDaniel schedule another two debates? What is the logic behind that? There is no reason to do something like that. Obviously, the intent here is to somehow, in a desperate act, hope that these next two scheduled debates hurt Trump in some shape or fashion, hopefully propel Nikki Haley, the preferred neocon candidate, to the top of the board. Not going to happen. But the thought process behind this decision is completely obvious. It's totally obvious. What really makes it clear is the network that was chosen. Ronna McDaniel, conservative RNC chairwoman, randomly decides to add another two Republican debates to the list. You know, whether you see it or not, there's a whole lot of options here at this point. Different networks, who knows, maybe a conservative network for the conservative debate? No, of course not. CNN, the most trusted name in news. That's not an accident. That's not a whoopsies. That's not a, oh, well, we just don't have another choice. No, that was a purposeful choice. She wants to get Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, and the rest of them in front of a bunch of CNN moderators so the CNN moderators can make the whole night and all the questions revolve around their precious narrative that Donald Trump is ending democracy as we know it. Democracy will no longer exist if Donald Trump is elected. Yeah, let's give those people the power to help shape people's decisions and shape narratives surrounding the current frontrunner of the GOP. Absolutely freaking genius. That seems like the exact type of thing you'd expect from the RNC chairwoman, the person who is essentially in charge of making sure Donald Trump gets elected. These absolute fake Washington losers. It's unbelievable. And if you're curious where it comes from, well, it comes from Mitt Romney. Ronna McDaniel is a plant. Ronna McDaniel is a tool of the neocon establishment. Now, I'm not sure if you guys saw this clip with Mitt Romney. Who do you like in the Republican field? Uh, anybody. Um, you know, I, I would, uh, I'd be happy to support virtually any one of the Republicans, maybe not Vivek, but, uh, but the others that are running would, would be acceptable to me, and I'd be happy to vote for them. I'd be happy to vote for a number of the Democrats, too. I mean, it would be an upgrade from, in my opinion, from uh, Donald Trump and, and perhaps also from uh, Joe Biden. Look, I like President Biden. Um, you know, I, I find him a very charming, engaging person. There's some places I agree with him, but most places I disagree with him. Uh, I think he's made all sorts of terrible mistakes, 
but uh, I would like to see someone else run. That's Mitt Romney, Republican Senator Mitt Romney. Absolutely disgraceful comments, but again, it shows you where it comes from, right? Ronna McDaniel is Mitt Romney's niece. They're family. They're part of the same political legacy, the same political family that clearly has their own interests. And their interest as of right now is to sabotage the process. Their job is to fulfill their duty and to respect the will of their constituents and their voters. That's their job. But they have no interest in doing that. They don't care if you want Trump. They don't want Trump. And that's all that matters. And of course, as we know, Ronna McDaniel controls the money. And as she said, Vivek won't get a cent from us. It just goes to show how horrible these people are, because that's your money. That's Republican voter donations. That's fundraising capital. What do Republican voters want their money to be spent on? Supporting the most popular candidates, developing a clear, coherent, and marketable campaign strategy, something palatable, something that's going to bring people over. That's their job. That's what they're supposed to do with the money. And most importantly, at least in this election cycle, the number one priority, the number one mandate is to stop Joe Biden from winning again and stop this slow descent into leftist authoritarianism. That is what Republican voters clearly want. That is the ambition that is the goal and so money is sent to the rnc to then be mobilized to achieve the voters ambitions and goals that is the point but they have no interest in that their ambition isn't to use monies to stop democrat tyranny and to stop you know whatever this is no their ambition what they're spending your money on is trying to replace donald trump with nikki haley who's essentially hillary clinton version 2.0 what republican leadership is trying to do is stop donald trump and attempt to replace him him with essentially Hillary Clinton, and that is probably the most accurate way of describing it. Those are the people that are representing you and leading your party of choice. It's absolutely disgraceful, despicable, every you know term that you could think of. These people are the absolute worst. Ronna McDaniel is a saboteur, just like Lindsey Graham, stuck in the same exact situation. You know, Democrats are jumping in the pool and doing laps. That's the metaphor for campaigning, attempting to get elected, playing the game. And Republicans, as per usual, were jumping in the pool, but we have two giant stones chained to our freaking ankles. Stone one, Ronna McDaniel. Stone two, Mitch McConnell. And let's just add another one, another stone hanging from our neck, I guess. And that stone essentially an effigy of Lindsey Graham. An absolute farce, as per usual. We got two more CNN debates. Get ready for the night's topic, Donald J. Trump. I pretty much guarantee you I'm making that prediction. That's my call. I guess we'll see exactly what happens. Ronna McDaniel, can you please, please, Resign already. Ronna McDaniel should be managing the local target, not managing general elections for the Republican Party. Anyways, that's what I got for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and possibly subscribe to the channel. Thanks for watching, friends, and I will see you on the next one. Hey guys, welcome to the Liberal Hive Mind. Do you ever get tired of watching leftoids malfunction? No, I didn't think so, me either. It's probably one of my favorite pastimes on Twitter. Just keep on scrolling and keep on looking, making sure I'm subscribed to everybody posting these kinds of videos. You know, I'll keep on scrolling, I'll keep on looking, till I find the perfect clip. And well, today I present to you the perfect clip from Shaney Rich's Twitter account. I'm sure you guys have seen his videos before. Here's what happens when you challenge a leftoid on the approved 
improved media narrative, 404 error, talking point not found. Boy, I love seeing leftist activist types malfunction. Let me show you guys exactly what I mean by that. We got some stuff to get into, so let's roll the tape. All right, folks, so let's just start off by playing the clip. Donald Trump Jr. actually just caught nine felonies and got indicted, never paid taxes. And that was Trump's son, Trump Jr.? Yeah. What's your reaction to that? Uh, it doesn't surprise me, but that's pretty messed up. I think I know what you're doing here. Uh, I believe those things were those were things that Hunter Biden did, correct? It was Hunter Biden. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've seen some headlines about that, and you know. It doesn't affect how I feel about a Biden presidency. Really? Yeah. Because you agree that it was pretty evil. I would think that you wouldn't want... I'm not voting for Hunter Biden. I'm voting for Joe Biden. But they also are business partners and live in the same house. You don't think Biden was aware that his, his son evaded taxes? And, you know, Joe Biden always says we're going to tax the rich. His son never paid taxes. Doesn't that seem a little bit uh, contradicting? Whatever we can do in terms of finding people who will get the job done and not wreck our democracy, I think I'm, I'm happy to cast my vote for them. Yeah. Same. Because I feel like um, Biden's already a dictator. Like, he's already wrecked our democracy, Biden. Well? I disagree. How do you disagree, though? I'm just wondering. I, well, well I, you're the one making the statement. I'd like to hear what you, why you think that. Um, because he gave his leading candidate four indictments, and he raided his home and weaponized the DOJ and the FBI to go after his leading candidate, who's leading in the polls by a lot. To me, that's just like, let the people decide. Why would you want the DOJ and FBI that you're running? weaponize them and have them decide, you know? That seems a little authoritarian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have time to stand here and draw lines in the sand with you. So, yeah. oh, so you guys, wait, you guys, you guys are, you're walking away? Why, why you leave though? Isn't that funny? It's very easy to make the statements, but very hard to stick there and stand there to stand on the statements you've made and defend them, or to defend the statement that you've made against a counter-argument. It's so easy for leftoids to just run around pretending as if they're just simply better than everybody. I'm better than everyone. Why is that exactly? Well, because I am standing against the man that is attempting to destroy our democracy. These leftoids are LARPing. It's an act. It's a replacement for a non-existent personality. It's a purpose. It's a meaning. Means something. They're standing for something. What exactly? Well, they don't exactly know. They just know that they're standing for something and they're standing against the evil fascist orange man. He's fascist and he's destroying our democracy. Why exactly? Well, uh, don't ask them that. You know what the response is going to be. I don't have time to stand here and draw lines in the sand with you. So, yeah. uh, so you guys, wait, you guys, you guys are, you're walking away? Why? Why you leave, though? And I love the double standard. Shaney, at one point, made a statement, and then was asked by the individuals he was interviewing, well, you made the statement, so back it up. He immediately did, but they couldn't give him the full courtesy. For me, it really shows the difference. You know, being part of the left these days is the path of least resistance. Just stick with the popular crew, especially within the world of academia. You know, really follow the talking points, buy into the talking points, but never actually challenge them, never actually develop a well-thought-out worldview. Simply, Trump is a fascist. That's my worldview. That's my personality. Ha ha ha. Well, can you explain that, please? Cue the reaction. I don't have time to stand here and draw lines in the sand with you. So, yeah. oh, so you guys, wait, you guys, you guys are, you're walking away? Why? Why do you leave, though? Well, that doesn't really exist in the same way in the world of conservative politics. Are there ignorant conservative or Republican voters? Absolutely. But for the most part, especially within the world of academic institutions and dialogue and debate in general, we have no choice 
but to be focused on the facts, to make sure that our arguments are well thought out and fact-based. And so when we're put in these moments where we have to defend the claims that we make, well, it's pretty damn easy. Yeah, Joe Biden is a fascist. Joe Biden is a dictator or wannabe dictator. It's not just a cultist talking point. It's not just, oh, Joe Biden is a fascist. We are losing our democracy. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, you know the thing. Nobody's saying that. It's Joe Biden's a fascist. Well, why? Defend your claim. Your president is literally weaponizing the DOJ against his political opponents. Not just Donald Trump, but even voters are concerned parents at school boards. Your president coined the whole ultra-mega extremist threat to America divisive talking point. Your president attempted to launch a ministry of truth, a disinformation board. Your president attempts to rule through executive orders. Your president, every couple of months, seems to do something wholly unconstitutional and gets struck down by the courts. Your president, and frankly your political party, seems wholly uninterested in safe, secure elections or even investigating very concerning claims and trends. Your political party could controls the media and controls social media and the information during the last election cycle worked with the FBI and CIA to suppress information that would be damaging to Joe Biden to quote and this is coming from the mouth of a ex-CIA official help Biden push back against Trump's talking point your political party attempted to unseat a sitting president a duly elected sitting president by contracting a British and Russian spy to put together a dossier of fake news so they could get an illegal FISA warrant to then spy on his campaign and attempt to remove him from office. Your political party continues to launch phony witch hunts, bogus impeachments, I mean it goes on and on and on and on, all under the justification of we are attempting to save America from fascism. You are not attempting to save American democracy or save America from MAGA extremism and fascism. You are the extremism and fascism. That's just the excuse. And all the young leftoids who just buy into the narrative, you're useful idiots, pawns for the corporate Democrat ruling class. They've got you so brainwashed, so wrapped around their finger, they can just say something. They don't even need to provide sources, evidence, a believable backstory. They simply go, Donald Trump is literally Mussolini and Hitler combined, and every single NPC, Donald Trump is literally Hitler and Mussolini combined. January 6th was worse than Pearl Harbor and 9-11 combined. They all just promote and push the talking point without a frickin' ounce of thought. Cult members whose worldviews seem to simply fall apart at the lightest level of scrutiny, question, or challenge. Not exactly a group of convincing individuals. Yeah, this? I don't have time to stand here and draw lines in the sand with you. So, yeah. oh, so you guys, wait, you guys, you guys are, you're walking away? Why? Why you leave, though? Not exactly a strong argument. We want to save our democracy from the threat that it currently faces, and that threat is the orange man. Okay, well, that's an interesting talking point. Can you explain it? I don't have time to stand here and draw lines in the sand with you. So, yeah. we're oh, so you guys, wait, you guys, you guys are, you're walking away? Why? Why you leave, though? Well, that's an interesting talking point. Very concerning stuff. I mean, really important stuff. You must really be a die-hard believer in what you're saying. I mean, it must be really important to you. You must be so convinced that America, I mean, is facing an existential threat. Obviously, you want to do something about it. What are you going to do? Please, hero in the red cape, lead us against this evil fascist threat that we face. I don't have time to stand here and draw lines in the sand with you. So, yeah. oh, so you guys, wait, you guys, you guys are, you're walking away? Why, 
Why do you leave, though? Oh, wait, I guess it wasn't all that important, huh? I guess your 5 p.m. Starbucks latte is more important than saving the world from Trump fascism. Oh, but that Trump fascism definitely still exists and is very real and is a very big threat. It's just not enough of a threat for these people to even lift a finger, to make an argument as to why we should be helping them or why we should be convinced that Donald Trump is a fascist and we are facing the end of democratic times. Come on. I mean, frickin' come on. These people are fundamentally unserious. They simply bought into the current thing, the current narrative, and every single time, frickin' 9.9 out of 10 times, you ask them one simple question and it all falls apart. You make one argument and it's complete silence, shock, and panicked response. I wonder where they get it from, you know, running away from tough answers on important issues. Oh, well, actually, it makes perfect sense now. Democrats love making grand claims. They just hate having to defend those claims or argue the basic legitimacy of their claims. And if you have a problem with that, well, then you may just be a Republican conspiracy theorist extremist bigot. Welcome to Clown World, folks. The circus is in town. Anyways, that's what I got for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure to leave a like and possibly subscribe. Thanks for watching, friends, and I'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, welcome to the Liberal Hive Mind. Let me ask you guys a question. When's the last time you saw or heard a story of a Democrat politician being harassed, physically intimidated or assaulted? When's the last time you saw a major viral headline showing an extreme crazed Republican voter or MAGA extremist getting arrested for threatening a politician. I seem to remember maybe a couple examples over the last six years or so, but so vague, so few and far between that they don't really stick. And in many cases, the evidence seems inconclusive at best. But if we're talking about the same phenomenon, just switch the political parties, it's actually nonstop. And so let's have a conversation about extremism, shall we, leftoids? How many assassination attempts? How many assaults? or threats of violence is it going to take for you to realize that you are on the side of political extremism? How many is it going to take? Hey, remember that Canadian woman who sent poison to the White House when Donald Trump was president? Some weird hope that she'd send a letter to the White House and that the president would open it directly, only to be poisoned? Yeah, I remember that. Remember that time where Rand Paul was assaulted outside his home by a crazed lunatic neighbor? Yeah, I remember that. Remember that time where a innocent Trump supporter, a Patriot prayer member, was indiscriminately gunned down in the streets of Portland? Yeah, I remember that. Remember that time where an individual was arrested in possession of multiple deadly weapons outside of Justice Kavanaugh's home with supposedly the explicit intent of, well, harming the man and his family? Well, those are just a couple examples, and that really just scratches the surface. And guess what? We have another. Let's really have a conversation about political extremism and terrorism. Let's continue to expose the terrorist left. Today's conservative 
the victim, Vivek Ramaswamy, we got some stuff to get into, so let's roll the tape. All right, folks, so a New Hampshire man was just arrested for threatening to take the life of presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy at a campaign stop. Take a look at this news segment. Breaking news right off the top here at noon on a Monday. A New Hampshire man has been charged in connection with sending threatening text messages in which he allegedly says he would presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy at a campaign event scheduled for today in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. 30-year-old Tyler Anderson is set to face a judge this afternoon. Prosecutors say Anderson also threatened to kill people attending the event. CBS News has obtained a statement from the Ramaswamy campaign saying... We are grateful to law enforcement for their swiftness and professionalism in handling this matter and pray for the safety of all Americans. So we have a crew on the way to New Hampshire. We will have updates on this story throughout the day on CBS News Boston. I don't really know what to say. I think the clip pretty much speaks for itself, folks. It's another one to add to the list. How many of these types of examples are we going to cover? Well, most likely a whole lot more because this right here, these events, these situations, they are a direct result of Democrat rhetoric. This is what happens when you push and promote hyperbolic nonsense. This is what happens post-debate when you're Van Jones at CNN and you say this kind of thing. And the smug, condescending way that he just spews this poison out is very, very dangerous because he won't stop Trump, but he's going to outlive Trump by about 50 years. And you're watching the rise of an American demagogue that is a very, very despicable person. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, literally, I, I, was, I was shaking listening to him talk because a lot of people don't know that is one step away from Nazi propaganda coming out of his mouth. But the good thing, Van, you could... This is what happens when you make everything life or death, when you claim that your political opponents, as Van Jones claimed, are, quote, demagogues, fascists, Threats to democracy, threats to human rights and LGBTQ rights and minority rights. When you make those claims with absolutely no basis in fact, when you promote hyperbolic, fear-mongering nonsense about your opponents, this is the result. And yes, the result is terrorism, folks. That's what it is. It's the same thing that you see with radical extremism across the globe. In the Middle East, for instance, you have desperate people, you have susceptible people, in many cases mentally ill people, and then you have those who want to take advantage, who promote hyperbolic rhetoric about an existential threat that must be destroyed, blah, 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 you get it. They are enemies, infidels. It's the type of emotional messaging that can convince people to become zealots, extremists, especially if those people suffer from some sort of delusion or paranoid schizophrenia, any type of mental illness, you know, that is what that type of rhetoric takes advantage of. It mobilizes those individuals to commit heinous acts against your opponents. It mobilizes those individuals to do something like strap a vest to their chest and commit an atrocious act. It's the same kind of thing. It's the exact same kind of thing. When you yell through the TV speaker every single day, existential threat, literally Hitler, fascism, they want to bring us back, they want to put you back in chains. When you traffic in that kind of rhetoric, you produce extremism. And that is exactly what we are seeing on the modern left. We are seeing a group of individuals who condone and justify violence every time. I mean, for Pete's sakes, people were defending Mr. 100% Antifa, Michael Reynolds, 
back in 2020. Antifa regularly yells, bash the fash, and what they mean by fash is, well, literally any conservative person or Christian person. That's a direct call to violence. That's a justification of violence. When leftoids don't get what they want, what do they do? They commit acts of violence. They burn things down. They intimidate through mob presence. That is what we see on a daily basis. A further radicalization. You know, the hypocrisy is absolutely clear. It's incredibly ironic. Those MAGA extremists, those MAGA extremists exist in any MAGA environment, and you are surrounded by law-abiding citizens, tax-paying citizens, good people, hard-working people, blue-collar workers, moms and dads, beautiful, devout, religious families and people. I haven't seen any extremism, yet the left will tell you that that is the side that is extreme. Mom and pop, mostly boomers, mostly people above the age of 30, 35, you know, people who have their stuff together, contributing members of society. That's what I see. Well, travel in any far-leftist environment, and you have black-clad Antifa militants, the same kind of people defending and supporting Hamas terrorism, and the same kind of people bringing that same kind of ideology here, domestically. The same kind of people who would justify violence in the United States just like they justify horrific acts of terrorism in the Middle East. Because it's somehow freedom fighters battling oppression. There is no frickin' oppression. You live in the freest, most prosperous, best nation on earth in human history. Yet these people have become so delusional, so paranoid, that they've convinced themselves that regular mom and pop, you know, Joe and Mary from the street corner, who work jobs their entire lives, retired in their 60s, put their kids through school, people who have become so insane and so delusional that they see, you know, the white picket fence typical American people, and they perceive demons. It's insane. It is insanity. It is brainwash. But most importantly, it's emotional propaganda that is wielded as a weapon. In other words, it's political extremism 101. And that is the left today. That is the left. That's why we constantly see these kinds of threats. That's why we constantly see these absolute lunatics being arrested. And trust me when I tell you, we will continue to see this because the left isn't done. The left right now is fighting some sort of revolutionary crusade against some, you know, perceived boogeyman that lives in their head. They see that boogeyman every Everywhere. You know, I mean, of all people, Larry Elder supposedly was the black face of white supremacy. It's like that scene from the movie Scream where the guy goes, I see dead people. That's every leftoid, except it's, I see Adolf Hitler literally everywhere. It's absolutely insane. And the facts here, the dynamics here, are pretty much, I'd argue, as clear as day. Anyways, that's what I got for you guys. Hopefully you understand the point that I was making here. Hopefully it's clear and hopefully it makes sense. If you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a like and possibly subscribe to the channel. Of course, you know that we would love to have you here. Thanks for watching, friends, and I will see you on the next one. Hey guys, welcome to the Liberal Hive Mind. Now, generally, I tend to keep a little bit of a catalog in the back of my brain. Now, I've been doing this news and culture thing for a while at this point. I have an extensive catalog of information that I've stored in my brain over the years. I think that's pretty much par for the course. And part of that catalog is credibility rankings. It's all the same characters in the media for the most part. And so the more exposure you get with some of these figures, the more you catalog whether they can or cannot be trusted. You know, Oliver Darcy, Brian Stelter, Rachel Maddow, I remember all the lies. 
I remember all the fake news, the hysteria. It's all fresh at the front of my mind. And so obviously those types of characters fall all the way to the bottom of the credibility list. If they say something, yeah, I'm taking it with a couple grains of salt, if you know what I mean. And then there's those who are at the top of the credibility list. And some of those individuals, interestingly enough, well, you might not expect for them to be at the top of the list. I mean, considering the media is constantly telling you how dishonest and horrible they are. But look, it's a personal thing. It's based off my opinion, based on what I've been exposed to. And for me, at the top of that credibility list are actually people like Alex Jones. Oh, crazy. I know. Absolutely nuts, right? But I'm not joking when I say that Alex Jones is at the top of the credibility list for me. Maybe not number one, but certainly up there. And it's mostly due to his track record. He has had some of the most accurate reporting on some of the, I'd say, scariest and most important topics out there and most important issues that we face. Alex Jones has a better track record of reporting on the facts than nearly every single major media outlet out there. And so when Alex Jones says something, I listen. Maybe I apply a little bit of skepticism, of course. I think that's pretty much natural and healthy. But for the most part, I'll take it quite seriously. I'll look into it. But when Alex Jones says something, I'll view it as most likely credible. And well, all of this to say, Alex Jones just dropped an absolute frickin' bombshell on Tucker Carlson's show on X. If true, holy moly. Also, most likely true. Definitely shocking, but also not surprising at all. Let me show you guys exactly what I mean by that. We got some stuff to get into, so let's roll the tape. All right, folks, so excuse the long intro, but I just I had to lay it out. Topic of this video, let's take a look at what was said on Tucker Carlson's show. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he is completely out of his mind. He wanders around for the entire two and a half years. It's getting worse. Naked in the White House. Uh, in the middle of the night, doesn't know who he is. They have to give him a bunch of drugs, yeah. a bunch of amphetamines in the morning. Then they've got to drug him uh, at night. Sometimes he's got to, though, he'll like be out for the morning for a while, and then he comes back out at night for a ball. That's when there's a real problem. He is on drugs. I, I have established that. I know someone who witnessed it. I'm not guessing at this. I know someone personally who witnessed him uh, taking amphetamines. And this was, this was during the 2016, uh, 20, 2020 election. So how's this going to That's huge. I know you don't play games. You've been proven no, I don't play games with this. Was a, well, I'll just say he's a makeup artist. Well, no, you, you artist. said the NSA spying on me high level, and then a month later they went, yes, we're spying on Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I know. So, so I, you don't make stuff up. And so what I'm saying here is Biden's a liability for him. Trump's a liability. What do they do? They have a right-winger, they'll claim, assassinate Biden. And they'll have a left-winger assassinate Trump. That then gets the country even in more of a fight against each other. And then they put in Gavin Newsom uh, and, you know, somebody like Mike Pence or who knows. But I really think the next 13 months is the most critical time, not just in American history, but world history. Because if they can bring down America, they're going to bring down the world. And then you've got the escalation. Remember a year ago, Biden said, you can't give F-16s and, and, and uh, Abrams tanks and cruise missiles to the Ukrainians. That's World War III. Now they're doing it. So as Russia wins that war, as Colonel McGregor documented a few months ago with you, NATO is escalating. Well, that leads right to nuclear war. So we're so close. That fundamentally makes me so mad. This transcends politics. Since when do Democrats love war? Since when do Democrats love the intelligence agencies? They, they love them now. And, and so really the Democratic... So dark. Just so like dark. the Republican Party is a beachhead for sanity and populism. It's not perfect, but it's a beachhead. The Democratic Party is totally turned over to evil. That's why I thought RFK Jr. was so refreshing, but they're shutting him out of the primary process. They're blocking him. And so now he's going to run third party, which will take away from Trump. Most experts agree. I know Trump's people have looked at it. They think so. Of course. Uh, so that's very, very sad.
I believe it. These are two credible individuals. I believe Tucker Carlson. I believe his source. And I believe Alex Jones most likely has some sort of information that is, in fact, credible. I believe the president of the United States is being propped up on drugs. And I really don't think it's all that crazy. In fact, I think it's a pretty safe assumption. There is absolutely no way that Joe Biden is keeping up with the demands of the job of the presidency in his current state. There's no way. They're shooting something into this guy's buttocks. I mean, he must be getting an adrenaline syringe two minutes before he walks out on stage every single time. Nothing else is believable. Nothing else explains the calling a lid phenomenon from the 2020 election. Joe Biden is one of the most heavily supervised, most likely medicated, controlled puppets in modern American history. I mean, he's pretty much like one of those drugged up celebrities on the tour bus with publicists and agents and managers treating the situation with said celebrity like Weekend at Bernie's. And that's probably the perfect comparison because Joe Biden is Hollywood. Everything about Joe Biden is Hollywood. It's all a mirage. It's all fake. Whether it's the straight up lies that come out of Joe Biden's mouth, like most recently, Joe Biden claiming that in high school, he was the runner up in the state scoring championship. Does anybody actually believe that? Is there any documentation to back that up? Obviously there isn't. That for sure never happened. If that did happen, I feel like there'd probably be articles written about Joe Biden. He'd probably have a whole lot of photos of his time playing football, but instead he literally just lies. I mean, he just stands up there at that podium, probably full of frickin' substances in his system. The guy's on frickin' Mars going, listen, Jack, I used to play water polo. Yeah, they used to call me old the Joey Shark Gills, because I was a shark and I used to swim like a shark. No, Joe, that never happened. Please take your meds. No, listen, Jack, it definitely happened. Ask Corn Pop. If it's not Joe lying to you, pulling a con, then it's Joe's aides and handlers who are pulling it for him. And the biggest con is that this guy is somehow the president. He is not the president. He is a drugged up, empty vessel that they throw out on the stage with his little cue cards and his talking points, his prepackaged talking points, being asked vetted questions from vetted journalists. It's all a damn smokescreen, and you're simply along for the ride. You're the victim of it all, really, if you think about it. For Pete's sakes, the world is being plunged into frickin' chaos, and this is your leader. Over a billion, three hundred million, trillion, three hundred million dollars. All right, Joe. And if it's not that, it's this. The idea, if you were driving your automobile here, and you left in the key in the, in the, in the parking lot, you left the key in the ignition, and the kid came up and jumped in and stole it, and they got in a crash, you're liable civilly. Why in God's name do people not have to lock up their firearms? Why is that not a requirement? All these mass murders, not, not this weekend, but have been because people have picked up kids and grabbed stuff off of counters, off of their... Uh, anyway, I don't want to get, I get angry. We need to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Again, no freaking idea what this guy's even talking about. America, your president is an octogenarian dementia patient who is so freaking hopped up on drugs, it's not even funny. And worst of all, he's not even your president. He is simply a puppet, a vessel for the globalist agenda. And I struggle to understand how what's currently happening with this clown is even remotely acceptable for the American public. It's absolutely disgraceful. And you are the victim of it all. Anyways, that's what I got for you guys on this one. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and possibly subscribe to the channel. Thanks for watching, friends, and I'll see you on the next one. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest 
question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. Whoa, university presidents testifying before Congress are pretty okay with calls for genocide against Jews. Welcome back to the JP Rex channel, my beautiful freedom-loving friend, where we like to call out the lies, hypocrisy, and corruption of tyrants, shine the light of awareness on woke absurdities, and highlight the amazing work of other freedom fighters. Now, we have a new world record set in the sport of hypocrisy. Who's setting it? The presidents of three of the most prestigious universities in America, Harvard, MIT, and Penn. What were they doing? How'd it happen? You'll be friggin' shocked. As you know, since October 7th, there's been a weird uh, sort of leftist support for Hamas and a, a rather negative outlook towards Jewish people. And this is it's just one of the patterns of the narrative coming out of the left's playbook. So you see the indoctrination camps, universities having big pro-Hamas protests and being quite anti-Semitic on campus. So it's a, it's a leftist thing happening. Is it evil? Yes, I said it's leftist. So because there's been all these pro-Hamas demonstrations on college campuses, Congress has said, hey, we're corrupt, but even for us, like, what the heck is going on? Why is this happening on college campuses? We want to understand. So they brought in the heads, uh, the presidents of three of these prestigious universities, again, MIT, Harvard, and Penn, brought those presidents in to testify before Congress. Congress people were asking them some questions. Their answers made them all look like evil, corrupt, hateful, anti-Semitic people. At MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? It targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated as, as harassment, if pervasive and severe. By the way, like these university presidents, like, you know, part of their job is like, say the politically correct thing. Even if they don't give a crap, even if they're not going to take action, they, they know what the right answer should be. And it's not above them uh, or it's not beneath them to lie. So why doesn't she just say yes? It's like her, and we'll see the other ones, they've pledged an oath to be supportive of this anti-Semitism. Like, why wouldn't you just say yes? I would dare say a pledge, a loyalty to something that's not being seen, some kind of darkness. How's that happen? Where does that happen? Who's involved with it? Those are good questions. I don't know the exact answers, but they are obviously being very loyal to something because they know the correct answer, the easiest answer, the answer that is just like the common sense thing to say is, yes, yeah, of course, calling for genocide, that constitutes bullying. It's, uh, genocide is actually worse than bullying, so yeah. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct, yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment, yeah. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? 
If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a Again, these are the same university presidents that would tell you calling someone by the wrong pronoun that doesn't match their gender identity slash mental hallucination, their imagination that they expect you to treat as reality. They're the same presidents that would say that is definitely bullying. Any, any context, that is definitely bullying. I mean, there's violence there to those words. Context-dependent decision, that's your testimony today, calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? She's like, well, you know, committing an act of genocide, that's still context dependent. I mean, we really have to look at uh, who's doing what, and it's not necessarily. <laughs> the speech is not harassment. This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. Depending on the context, wow! Just weirdly coincidental that these presidents from three different universities are absolutely in lockstep with each other, with what their narrative is, what they won't answer, what they do say. It almost seems coordinated, which kind of makes you think like, oh, these are three different individuals all serving the same master. Huh. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish to... students, Jewish individuals. So yeah, it's uh, harassment if it's targeted at an individual, but genocide, that's more of a group experience. It's not targeted at an individual because it's, you know, attempting to kill like many people at once. So it doesn't violate our code of conduct, not against an individual. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of antisemitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When it and is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard code of conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. Now, uh, people with morals and a good conscience were uh, kind of on fire, kind of outraged, basically like seeing these people for who they are and the, the bidding of the devil that they're willing to do. People were seeing that for what it was. They were seen accurately, and uh, apparently they didn't want to be seen accurately because here we'll take a look at 
University of Penn's president, Liz McGill, ladies and gentlemen. She released a video after her congressional testimony walking it back a little bit. Now, we, we can acknowledge Liz McGill testifying before Congress was very clear. She was asked the same question many different times. She reiterated her same answer. Oh, it's context dependent. Refused to say yes, refused to condemn it, refused to take a stand against calls for genocide. Like, how is that controversial? She refused it. It was clear. But she apparently received a little too much backlash. So here she is walking back her statements a little bit. And just the, the lack of integrity, the lack of congruence, because she couldn't be more clear, and now she's literally trying to say the exact opposite of what she said testifying before Congress under oath. <laughs> so, moral of that story is her little walkback statements. Who in the world would believe that this is actually what she said. Oh, yesterday you were just adamant about the opposite, but now like you, you say like, oh, you were kind of misunderstood. Yeah, go screw yourself. There was a moment during yesterday's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism when I was asked if a call for the genocide of Jewish people on our campus would violate our policies. By the way, how sincere does she seem? Very heartfelt. In that moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution. Fact check, her university policies are not in line with the U.S. Constitution. They treat the First Amendment as though it's like a demented little redheaded stepchild. You know, I've got experience with that. Say that speech alone is not punishable. Which I, I agree with. Speech alone, it's free speech. You can be a hateful idiot. You can be a loving, beautiful, kind person. That's free speech. Yet she clearly doesn't support free speech. And that, that's that phobic. That's, that's hateful. That's misgendering. Ooh, that is violence. Can't say that. Not focused on, but I should have been. The irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. Cool. Yeah. Now you're saying the right thing. The problem is we already know who you are. We already know what you believe. Yesterday, I should have been focusing on saying something that didn't make me look like a bad person. So I should have done better at pretending I'm a good person. So now in this video, I'm pretending I'm a good person. So here's what I have to say. Yeah, calling for a genocide, it's, it's pretty bad. And here's a quick clip of uh, Ms. Gay. It's a very inclusive name, by the way. The president of Harvard, Dean asked a very specific question. Take a look. If you are talking to a prospective student's family, a, Jew a Jewish student's family right now, could you look them in the eye and tell them that their son or daughter would be safe and feel safe and welcome on your campus? We are absolutely committed to student safety. And yes, but I didn't ask that every... question about your commitment. I said, could you look them in the eye right now, the family of a prospective Jewish student, and assure them that their son or daughter would feel safe and welcome on your campus? We are taking every step to ensure their physical and their psychological safety. So yes or no and to my I question, though. Did that. you want to answer it? I guess not. I have not. answered your question. It's beautiful. These university presidents who prioritize making everything a safe space, and we're going to... We're going to ban speech that could potentially make someone feel, well, the way they actually feel. We're going to ban that because having a safe space is so important. Unless you're talking about genocide, then it, it's 
you know, context dependent. That can fit into a safe space. Just weird the hypocrisy, very intentional. Why are they all on board? Why are they all in lockstep with each other? Here, there's a, a quick clip from Maya Sulkin, who is with the Free Press, that she creates a, a beautiful summary, the hypocrisy of these university presidents shine through. Take a look. Safety first. That's the approach taken by university administrators these days. On campuses across the country, safety first has been the rationale for silencing speech and firing professors. We gotta etch that into our brain. Safety first, the rationale for banning speech and firing professors who don't toe the line of not speaking their minds, not saying truth that is a little out of alignment with the narrative and its ideologies that it propagates. This practice has birthed a whole new moral framework, one that treats microaggressions as acts of violence. It is your job to create a place of comfort and home for the students. But when it comes to threats and calls for genocide against the Jews, it's a different story. Not safety first, but anything goes. Just look at the facts. Last year, Harvard told students in a mandatory training session that using the wrong pronouns for a person constitutes abuse. Using the wrong pronouns for a person constitutes abuse. It, it's violence. It is abusive. Could you, like, I, I would love to see a UFC fighter. Bell rings, the fight is on, and he misgenders his opponent. I mean, could you imagine how much damage that abuse would do? They don't teach that in jujitsu. You gotta go above and beyond in your training of inflicting harm to people. Sizeism and fat phobia, according to the session, are also attitudes that contribute to an environment that perpetuates violence. So these university presidents are apparently believing that calling for the genocide of Jewish people, it fits in with the theme of a safe space in their uh, colleges. You know, it's not bullying, it's not harassment. Well, let's hear from an MIT student who is Jewish and see how safe she feels on their campus. My name is Talia Khan. I am an undergraduate alumna of MIT and a current graduate student at MIT. I am the daughter of a Jewish mother and an Afghan Muslim immigrant father. I am the proud president of the MIT Israel Alliance. And I am a Jewish student currently immersed in an extremely toxic anti-Semitic atmosphere at MIT. The MIT administration, namely President Sally Kornbluth, has failed to address the crisis of rampant anti-Semitism on campus. There is a radical anti-Israel group at MIT called the CAA. In recent weeks, the CAA's anti-Semitic rhetoric has shifted the culture on campus to such an extreme of intolerance that 70% of MIT's Jewish students polled feel forced to hide their identities and perspectives. An Israeli student whose identity and personal info was sold online for a bounty has not left his dorm room in weeks out of fear due to death threats. For my part, I was forced to leave my study group for my doctoral exams halfway through the semester because my group members told me that the people at the Nova Music Festival deserved to die because they were partying on stolen land. Why are the university presidents actively protecting this hate speech while they condemn all other hate speech? They, they make up accusations of hate speech to ban speech. 
Why are they protecting this one so adamantly? I don't know, but they are. Now, Libs of TikTok posted this. Columbia announced a teach-in to discuss Hamas counter-offensive uh, counter on October 7th. Columbia assured us that the event was canceled. It wasn't. Here's the footage from it today. They praise Hamas terrorists, calling them liberation fighters, and compliment the October 7th attacks as creative and determined. This is absolutely vile. Columbia said, oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, it is. Uh, what? That's not going to happen. And they allowed it to happen. Interesting. Take a look. On October 7th, the Palestinian liberation fighters demonstrated their refusal to be dominated. They showed the world that the Palestinian people will fight for freedom instead of quietly adapting to they showed us that through creativity, determination, and combined strength, the masses can accomplish great feats. The fact that we have seen in every world struggle for liberation, from Vietnam to Afghanistan. The aforementioned genocidal policy of Israel is, in fact, a sign of their weakness. And lastly, the Babylon Bee calls it out accurately with their headline, Not all calls for genocide are bad, say Ivy League presidents sporting cool new mustaches. And that's exactly how they came across. The only question is, why is this happening? Why are universities, why are all things that propagate leftism, why are they so in lockstep with protecting anti-Semitic speech and actions while they try to shut down so many other actions, so much other speech? I don't know the full answer to that, but I do know there's evil involved, there's deception, there's lies. Evil is always evidenced by how much hypocrisy is around. We've just seen world records set in hypocrisy. And of course, part of the old communist playbook to implement communism in a place, which is the same thing as leftism, is you gotta divide people. They are protecting a very divisive force happening right now. They're not trying to shut it down, they are protecting it so it can proliferate. Is it part of their overarching plan to get more communism in our country? Well, that couldn't be. I mean, communism wouldn't, wouldn't start at universities. Those are good indoctrination camps. Kind of makes me sick. Thank you for watching this, my beautiful, freedom-loving friend. I look forward to seeing you on our next video. But before that, here's a special message. Feeling overwhelmed this holiday season? I get it. The demands of November and December. What's up guys, it's your boy Benny. Are you a slave? It's a good question to ask. What are the signs that you might be a slave? If you can't speak freely, and what's the precursor to speaking freely? If you can't think freely, if you have to tighten your thoughts, and if you have to silence your mouth, and if you are punished for saying or doing true things, well then you're a slave, and you don't actually live truly free. And true freedom is the desire of every human soul. And that is why it's important to have real conversations. Maybe uncomfortable conversations. Maybe you're having conversations with people you're not allowed to talk to. And that's exactly what Tucker Carlson just did when he dropped the Alex Jones interview. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been looking forward to this one. Tucker Carlson went there with the man himself who needs no introduction. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones for the first time ever. This just melted the internet. Stay free. Watch. We're here with the world's most dangerous man, the most censored man in the English language. But honestly, when you get him in front of an outhouse in the woods, he doesn't seem so dangerous. It's a fancy outhouse. <laughs> we have a ruling class in the United States defined by its hatreds 
not its loves, not its hopes, but by its hatred. They hate all kinds of people, large groups of people, the deplorables, the bitter clingers, America's entire blue-collar population, the unfashionable people. They're hated by the people who run our country. But no one is hated more by them than a man called Alex Jones. Alex Jones is the single most censored man in all American history. He was the first media figure in our history to be completely erased in one day, deplatformed. Alex Jones was deplatformed before it was a common term. And not just deplatformed, sued, attacked. They attempted to criminally charge him. What did Alex Jones do wrong? Alex Jones didn't rape anybody. He didn't loot Macy's. He didn't burn a police station. He didn't invent a fake cryptocurrency and loot pension funds. He didn't start a pointless war that made this country poorer and more disorganized. He didn't open the southern border. No, Alex Jones had opinions that deeply rattled the people who run America. In fact, rattled a lot of us. And I'll just confess that I first heard of Alex Jones when he questioned the official story behind 9-11. And I, speaking for myself, was deeply offended by this. I didn't take any time to find out what he was saying, but I was bothered by the idea that this defining event in American history, which changed the life of everyone who lived here then, might not actually have unfolded as we were told it did. And that possibility was too destabilizing. And I remember feeling resentment toward Alex Jones for saying that. But several years later, I went up in Austin, Texas, and through a chain of circumstances, wound up meeting Alex Jones. And I learned what everyone who has met him now knows, which is Alex Jones is not a crazy person. Alex Jones has said pretty far out things on TV from time to time, but within the bounds of, say, cable news, pretty far out. But fundamentally, Alex Jones is right about a lot of things. And in fact, that's why they don't like him. Alex Jones has an uncanny, really an amazing ability to predict events before they happen. He has called it and he's done it on tape again and again to the point where it's a meme on the internet. Alex Jones, profit, not conspiracy nut, profit. But when you dig into Alex Jones's predictions, they are so spot on that it's remarkable. How does he do this? We're guessing there's a kind of spiritual sensitivity to Alex Jones, maybe that's his secret. He was displaying this years before the average person in this country even thought about matters like that. Now it's pretty obvious to most people that, that the, the current war going on in this country is taking place in ways you can't see it most of the time. But 10 years ago, people were not thinking that way. Alex Jones was. And so we thought it'd be interesting to sit down and talk to Alex Jones, the man. You know, the people who are in the country have really succeeded in making you disreputable. And the whole point, of course, is people won't listen to you. So we thought it'd be interesting to start with a series of on-tape predictions that you made, some of which are so precise and so prescient that it makes the hair on my arms stand up. And I'm being sincere, and our viewers are about to, about to see what I'm talking about. Here is a list of things that you called ahead of time. By the middle of September, that the new policy is being written, you will all have to wear masks again and show will airport employees. It's happening. Mask mandates are officially back. We know the Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted to blow up airliners, Baltimore Sun, or if you let some terrorist group do it, like the World Trade Center, we know who to blame. And if there was an outside threat like a bin Laden, who was a known CIA asset in the 80s. This group and its leader, a person named Osama bin Laden. He's the boogeyman they need. We're looking at a giant war in February right now. I predict the Russians are going to roll in. They're already there. They're going to roll in. 
with attacks across Ukraine, which is the size of Texas. It really was the Iraqis. That's just because they're getting ready to invade Iraq. What a beautiful setup. Those 9-11 clips are crazy. I'm actually bothered by the precision of them. I'm not accusing you of being behind 9-11. But how could you, in July of 2001, call that? You said they're going to have airliners fly into the World Trade Center, and they're going to blame a guy called Osama bin Laden. Now, leaving aside what actually happened, how could you have known that? Well, in the longer clips, it's a multi-hour show from July 25th, 2001. Uh, I specifically walked through all the reasons, and I knew that they were hyping up that we were about to be hit by Osama bin Laden. I knew that the World Trade Center had been attacked the first time and that the feds had been involved helping cook the bomb and allowing it to go forward. And I just saw a lot of the pre-programming that was happening uh, in the media as they were on the news saying, you know, life's about to change in America. And I was reading what the Rand Corporation was saying and what the Pentagon was putting out. I read the PNAC document uh, from a year before, Rebuilding America's Defenses, that Dick Cheney uh, had helped write. And it said we need a Pearl Harbor event on the American homeland to be able to bring in this police state and, and, and this control and then expand the American empire worldwide. So hundreds of pieces of data, <coughs> hundreds of pieces of data went into that prediction. Terrorists are going to hit the World Trade Center in July of 2001. I lived in the United States then. That was the last thing on my mind. And I lived in Washington. I know the guys who wrote the PNAC document because I shared an office with them. So I, I was more informed than the average person. And that was the last thing that crossed my mind in the summer of 2001. Like everyone else, I thought it was a Cessna. But how convinced were you that this was going to happen? I was completely convinced. In fact, in, in the full clip of it's online, you can find it on Twitter and other places that has been removed. I explained to people that they need to call the White House and, and tell the White House, we know if you allow these attacks uh, that uh, you're basically allowing it to happen. This is really draconian. This globalist, great reset, new world order takeover is a post-industrial world, cut off the resources, 90% forced depopulation, breaking civilization by design, Massive wars, famine, they've already cut off a third of the fertilizer in the last year worldwide. It's estimated that'll kill a couple hundred million people. Uh, the lockdowns worldwide, not the virus. The UN admits killed 80-something million extra people in the last three and a half years. And, 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 and so when the first world collapses, the third world dies. And then what's left of them floods us. And so the earth is being put into a countdown collapse right now. And so I'm like the fisherman when the tidal wave comes in. And I'm like, oh, my God, my wife and children are about to die and, and, and so I'm not really worried about me because I'm a man. I did this. I knew it was coming. I've been proven right. And I'm not happy I was proven right. I wish we could have gotten ahead of this and stopped it. Yeah, we have a lot of credibility now that people see we, that we were right. So maybe we can stop the next phase of it. But the globalists have gone from testing phase, beta test phase, into full operational now. And they say, read their writings, we are going to have a post-industrial world by 2030. We will have no personal cars by 2030. You will be eating bugs by 2030, and we will start uh, the, the depopulation of 90% of the people by 2045. That is the official WF, official UN, official Club of Rome plan. What do you mean the depopulation? They want to bring the world population down to 500 million. But I thought we were opposed to genocide. No or no? I guess we're not. Well, you know, we're told now, don't have children, it's bad for the earth. And we're told all this, and Elon Musk is right, and is a hero for pointing out, all the actuaries show, if you don't have 2.1 children, a man and a woman, 
People go, well, man and woman can have 2.1. It's just in the aggregate, folks, out of billions. If a country doesn't have 2.1, 2.2 replacement rate, then you don't have people to take care of the old folks. Society collapses. And so uh, Japan's 1.3, Italy's 1.3. They're done as cultures. Uh, America, without immigrant influx, is uh, about 1.6. That's not, that's not viable. Uh, and so, and I'm not just talking about white people only here, but white people are 7% of the world population, maybe 8 uh, and so I would be sad if the last of the Eskimos were dying. I, I mean, I'm sad that the Japanese, within 100 years, uh, there might be 20 million of them. I'm now saying we need to call the White House and say, you've let tens of thousands of military-aged men from the Middle East in. We know a lot of them are Hezbollah and, and Hamas. The FBI has confirmed that. And so when and if there's big terror attacks, which I believe will probably happen in America, we're not going to have Homeland Security get more funds and more power and grope us at the airports more. I want prison time for uh, the agencies and groups that have allowed this. And, I, and right. I, want, I want O'Biden, I want Biden impeached now, okay? That's why we got rid of McCarthy. It, it needs to happen. Leaving the border open when there is a clear and present danger of this going on, and when we're very close to war with Iran, we go to war with Iran, they're going to activate Hezbollah, okay? And, and that, they, they make Hamas look like choir boys. And, and, and so you want to hear a prediction here. It's a probability, not a pure prediction. But, I mean... I, if we go to war with Iran, guaranteed sleeper cells activate. It'll make what happened in Israel look tame in comparison. I'm not lessening what happened there. So I, I'm simply, and, 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 and then again, where's the logic? The government that allows that to happen should go to prison. I agree. But instead, like 9-11, they're going to get more power when it happens. Mark my words. So, so. But you, you can't have guns because we let in foreign sleeper cells to kill you. Exactly. When you got deplatformed, and it, to this day, no one has ever been more aggressively censored, I don't think, than you. Um, I've apologized to you this in person before. I was in Labrador on a fishing trip and missed the entire thing. I was literally out of cell range. Um, I didn't know what happened, but I got back and I, was sh and I read about it. I felt like it was a major moment in the history of the American media. I don't think anybody defended you when that happened. Anybody with any kind of audience. When Tim Cook admitted that he met on the weekend in, in August of 2017 with the other big tech heads, and they made the decision to curate, like it's a museum, and, and, and take me off. It was hundreds of platforms. I mean, it wasn't just all the big ones. It was everything from LinkedIn to our bank accounts being taken away uh, to everything ensuing that week and over the next month. And I knew that I was a test case, and, and I wasn't taken uh, you know, off those platforms for any demonstrable reason. It was the uh, questioning the school shooting thing that came later. They went and kind of dredged that up from my past, just questioning it a few times, blew that up after I'd been deplatformed and said I was deplatformed for that. But if you check the record, I wasn't. Uh, and, and, and so once they deplatformed me, it, it made the show in ways only get bigger with people actually going to Infowars.com and finding me on local radio stations and things. So then they panicked and said, okay, Let's look at his record and create more of a reason that he's being taken off. So they took things out of context from five, six years before, blew them up as a current thing out of context, and deceptively reported on what I'd said to create a straw man argument to then facilitate the reason. What, what's so crazy is if you asked just a cross-section of Americans who's responsible for the Sandy Hook massacre of, of kids at the school, no one remembers the name of the murderer. Adam Lanza. Okay, thank you. I didn't remember. Alex Jones. They effectively blamed you for a school shooting that you were not present at. I have people come up to me in the parking lot. You can ask my security guy. He's been there when people walk up and go, why'd you kill those kids? And then you go, I didn't kill those kids. And they go, yeah, you did. And, and, and so 
that is what this has turned into. But And this is bigger than me. I want people to understand something, that the mullahs in Iran and the Ayatollah are congratulating Hamas that just killed around a 1,000 or more innocent Israelis, many of them women, children, disabled people, in a vicious, evil sneak attack. They are on there, Hezbollah and, and, and Hamas, mainly Hamas, but it's Hezbollah funding it out of Iran, are literally posting videos of them cutting people's heads off, killing children, and, and massacring innocent people. They're allowed to have their Hezbollah accounts and their Hamas accounts. The Ayatollah is able to congratulate what these people have done, and I am still banned. And I'm not mad at Elon Musk. I understand I've been so demonized with the general public. He's barely able to you know, keep Twitter going right now. I really appreciate what he's done. I admire him. I think he's done a lot of great work. And, and I see him moving in the right direction. So a lot of people attack Musk on Twitter. Uh, you know, I trend all the time. Hey, if you're, if you're such an absolutist on free speech, bring back Alex Jones. Uh, I understand that if he did that, the ADL and others would really be able to, to probably shut down Twitter. So, so I understand that he needs to you know, go through a process before he does that. So people get mad at Twitter for not... Why the ADL? I, I don't... I mean, I, I'm not the world's expert on your career, but I, I don't... I, I know you. I've never heard you say a single anti-Semitic thing and an anti-Israel thing. Why would the ADL be against you? I don't, I don't think you've... I don't think anyone's even called you an anti-Semite. Well... Unless I, I'm missing something. I mean, what goes on is the left forever called everybody a racist if you were just a conservative or pro-Second Amendment or pro-life or thought we ought to have a border. Uh, and that didn't work anymore to call people racist. And so the ADL gets all this big liberal donations. And so they go out and then police and take people's sponsors and, 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 and target them uh, just by the ADL calling up sponsors. Sponsors get scared and drop. So, but if you give up on that, you also sell bourbon. Man, you are really being nice here today, Tucker. And <laughs> well, know, you know why? You know, I, want, I, I hate selling products, but I like this product because I love the name. Look at this right here. This, my friends, is a, a gift to your crew because I know they drink. I had some drinks with them last night when we called Brian Stelter. But this, <laughs> some of the crew does drink. Yes, that's true. So, so this is for you. We've got a few other bottles for you uh, out there. Somebody can't even open this thing. It was sealed. Maybe it got locked on the airplane. Anyways, can somebody open this? I'm like, here, embarrassing. No, hold on. I think the the center thing. I don't I don't travel with guns very often, so I don't know how to operate these. I'm gonna smash this son of a bitch. Watch yourself. Ah, ah. There we go. Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, goddammit. Look at that. It doesn't come like this in stores. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill the people that come up with this. Drop that into the studio. We're rolling. Okay, that was amazing. This whiskey does not come with a hatchet to open it, um, or a blacklight. But if you does it come with a blacklight? No, but if you have one. But if you have a blacklight. By the way, I don't think I've ever sold a product on the air, but I'm proud to. Uh, we appreciate it. you supporting. Okay, come on, I'm totally all about it. Um, <laughs> what does that say? I'm gonna let you read that. It says, uh, thus to tyrants, meaning death to tyrants. Yeah. I, I recognize that phrase. I think it was uttered in Ford Theater. Thank Man. you, brother. Well, it's, enough of that. I didn't mean to turn it to who's so, so I, I want I, The book is more important. But. Anyways. So the last topic I want to hit with you, I could go on for hours. We're trying, to, we're trying to get the audience of the social media app to believe that you can have longer content because it was, you know, originally designed for very short, you know, 
brain droppings. But well, I think you've succeeded. The biggest English-speaking show ever. I mean, it's bigger than Jimmy Carson, bigger than Joe Rogan. Congratulations, showing that freedom is successful. And well, popular. thank you. Well, we're grateful that it's a. No, it's, I'm grateful to you. you that we have that. free speech. But I, I. But anyway, but here's here's my question. So, all of the trends that you describe, I think very credibly, and I'm a little bit surprised. But despite that, he's got 60% against all other Republicans. He's 15, 20 points ahead of Biden. It's backfired, but the deep state's not going to stop. So when you said to Trump several times in that 400 million views or whatever you got, biggest show ever, you, know, you said to him, well, isn't the next thing them trying to kill you? And he, he, he's so confident, he doesn't want to think about that. And we're, we're, He whereas, doesn't want to think about it. Whereas right. I admire someone that's that comp, confident, you know, the deep state does kill people. And, 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 and that's their only next move because this is failing. And, and I think they're going to kill Biden, too. Or I think they're going to try to – what you said in a speech again before the last one I talked about, like a month ago, you said, I don't see Biden and Trump being the candidates. You see the system, the media going after Biden, and he deserves it, but they were covering it up until yes. now. Now they're covering the laptop. Now they're covering attack on the dog. Now they're covering you know, all of his senility. All the corruption, the Chinese spies. Hacking a dog. What a pig he is. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I was told that by Secret Service and by uh, people that, let's just say, work with them. And I'm going to leave it at that. But I actually have a contact for you. I'd like to be able to hear it from them. But when this is over, I'll let you actually hear it from yourself. I think they'll tell you off record. I think they're willing to talk to you. Uh, But, yeah, he he is completely out of his mind. He wanders around for the entire two and a half years. It's getting worse. Naked in the White House. Uh, In the middle of the night, doesn't know who he is. They have to give him a bunch of drugs, yeah. a bunch of amphetamines in the morning. Then they've got to drug him uh, at night. Sometimes he's got to, though, he'll like be out for the morning for a while, and then he comes back out at night for a ball. That's when there's a real problem. He is on drugs. I, I have established that. I know someone who witnessed it. I'm not guessing at this. I know someone personally who witnessed him uh, taking amphetamines. And this was this was during the 2016 uh, 20, 2020 election. So how's this going to? That's huge. I know you don't play games. You've been no, I don't play games. This was a, well, I'll just say he's a makeup artist. Well, no, you, you artist. said Tell the NSA that. spying on me, high level, and then a month later they went, yes, we're spying on Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I know. So so I, you don't make stuff up. And so what I'm saying here is, Biden's a liability for him. Trump's a liability. What do they do? They have a right winger. They'll claim assassinate Biden, and they'll have a left winger assassinate Trump. That then gets the country even in more of a fight against each other. And then they put in Gavin Newsom uh, and, you know, somebody like Mike Pence or who knows. But I really think the next 13 months is the most critical time, not just in American history, but world history. Because if they can bring down America, they're going to bring down the world. And then you've got the escalation. Remember a year ago, Biden said, you can't give F-16s and, and, and uh, Abrams tanks and cruise missiles to the Ukrainians. That's World War III. Now they're doing it. So as Russia wins that war, as Colonel McGregor documented a few months ago with you, NATO is escalating. Well, that leads right to nuclear war. So we're so close. That fundamentally makes me so mad. This transcends politics. Since when do Democrats love war? Since when do Democrats love the intelligence agencies? They, they love them now. And, and so really the Democratic, so dark. just so like the dark. Republican Party is a beachhead for sanity and populism. It's not perfect, but it's a beachhead. The Democratic Party is totally turned over to evil. That's why I thought RFK Jr. was so refreshing, but they're shutting him out of the primary process. They're blocking him. And so now he's going to run third party, which will take away from Trump. Most experts agree. I know Trump's people have looked at it. They think so. Of course. Uh, so that's very, very sad. China looks in and sees this diverse culture, and they say, we're going to use that to split the country up and balkanize it. And that's what they've done. And, and so communist China, along with the Southern Poverty Law Center, 
and the ADL and all these groups see America's weakness, and they're literally coming in saying white people are inherently bad because of the color of their skin. They inherently have cheated people. They've hurt people. White people invented racism. None of that's true. It's really just tribalism. And then they organize all these other groups into race-based groups to then unify them under the Democratic Party to attack who is left that tends to be more conservative, and that is some white people in this country. Though they're panicking because more and more blacks are voting Republican, more and more Hispanics are voting Republican. They're starting to figure this out. So now they're in panic mode to bring in totally disenfranchised third world populations who are refugees from the multi-year lockdowns in, in Africa, Latin America, and Asia and the Middle East. They then bring them to UN camps, brainwash them, then bring them to our border, brainwash them more, then send them into the United States, and then literally hold them for years at facilities while they're indoctrinated to be this new political underclass that's then going to be turned loose on America. And that's why you see Democrats giving illegal aliens the right to vote in their cities, giving them driver's license. That's why you see them passing laws. They can be police officers. So they are importing uh, a, a, a new enforcement class uh, against the American people, and they're setting it up along racial lines, not us. They're making it racial, just like Hitler uh, made what he did racial. So, so it, it's the left and the think tanks and the communist Chinese that look at the U.S. and have seen our weakness as race, and they are exacerbating it. That's why they tell people, hey, you can be homeless anywhere. You can crap on the street, needles, throw your garbage everywhere. D drug dealers can sell you drugs. Uh, we're going to give the homeless all this government funding. Liberal groups come in and farm and milk each homeless person and skim a big cut of the money off the top. It's, it's a crop, but then you, a, a cash crop. But then we see that and we think it's all over. There's nothing we can do to demoralize us and make us give up. And even though I'm conscious of this, even though I know this, it's still at a DNA level. I'm like, I got to go to the country. I got to get out of here. I've got to separate myself from this. But then when they release this toxic, cultural, poisonous gas, they push us out of those areas and they get the main infrastructure yes. to then organize that, cut off the food supplies to that group they have and then tell them, the reason you're doing bad is not BlackRock and the WF and Bill Gates. It's all those evil people on the countryside. They're all white supremacists and terrorists and racists. Let's go get them. Because the last group they don't control is rural people that are self-sufficient. And so I get going to the countryside, protecting your children. Uh, that, I mean, that's the holy grail. The problem is you've got to have one foot in each. You've got to go back and fight in the city for the infrastructure, for the government. You've got to give people hope while also building a backup operation with farming and, and ranching and self-sufficiency. So that's why the WEF and the UN are coming in in, in in Ireland and in areas of Asia and in the Netherlands and saying, by 2030, 80% of your cows have got to be dead. And they just banned like 30% this year in the Netherlands. And it didn't matter people were 80% against it in polls. It didn't matter. Uh, they sent the military in against the peaceful farmers that were just protesting, just like the peaceful truckers in Canada got brutally attacked. And so they're all WEF globalist alumni that the big banks on record brag. They've penetrated the cabinets, to, to quote Klaus Schwab. They put their operatives in to cut off our energy, demoralize us, release the hardened criminals, put the political activists in prison, uh, continue to cut off the resources to make an angrier world. Klaus Schwab says, we're going to make the world collapse. We're going to have everybody turn against each other. We're going to blame the political classes that we own and control. And then when we're done, we'll bring in our new solution. But first, they have to demolish 
the cultures and societies that we had before with the fentanyl, with the open borders, with the demoralization, and then they bring in their next phase, which is a high-tech cashless society, robot drone-controlled nightmare. Uh, more than half of the U.S. in their official U.N. maps that they've had for more than 25 years, they're in some of my first films, show half the U.S. off-limits to humans. Uh, all cars will have to have GPS. Everybody, by law, will have to have a cell phone at all times. Australia just did this last year, you know, tried to push it through. And that's the admitted global UN standardized plan where you don't leave your house without a cell phone. Every car uh, is, is uh, robot kill switch, GPS controlled. California is moving to ban all the quote classic cars. That's any car that doesn't have a digital uh, ignition and they admit it's for control. So if people think things are bad now, the straight jacket, the ball and chain is going on. It's all being militarily run. Our military is great men and women, but at the top, our military has been globalist trained New World Order people for at least 30, 40 years. They've got almost every general, every person under their control. One of the um, things I, I find so striking about you, having watched you on and off over the years, and this must be a burden for you personally, but your ability to see people at a deeper level or to see things in them that are not obvious to the rest of us. And I want to give a specific example. So there's a guy called Brian Stelter who had a, the media show on CNN. I first met Brian Stelter when he was a high school student or a first year college student because he would hang around the show I worked on at the time at CNN. This was 20 years ago at least. And I always thought he was awkward and weird and probably had a super creepy personal life, but I, I never took him seriously. There's a pretty famous clip, and I want to play it right now, of you critiquing Brian Stelter, you take him way more seriously than I ever did, and I think you're right to. So this is pretty famous clip of you on Brian Stelter. Hell on earth. He wants to run your life. He wants to control every aspect of your life because he knows he is a cowardly, degenerate sack of anti-human trash. I pledge before my heavenly Father that I, 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 that I will resist them every way I can. These people are the literal demon spawn of the pit of hell. Look at him. And you know what? He is better than you if you keep letting him run your life. He runs your kids. He runs the schools. He runs the banks. This guy, this spirit, this smiling, leering devil that thinks you can't see what he is, he is your enemy. Period. All the narcissistic devil-worshipping filth. <sighs> I see you, enemy. I see you, enemy. Enemy! Enemy! You are my enemy! And I swear total resistance to you with everything I've got. Disingenuous, fake, false, broke back, twisted, a defiler, a betrayer, a backstabber. A devil! You don't think I don't see you, Stelter? I see you. You understand me? I know what you think of me and my family. I see you right back. You understand that? You understand that, Stelter? <laughs> I've only watched that several hundred times. Um, and I laugh every time, but I also, there's something to, if Brian Stelter had absolute power, would you and your family survive? Of course not. You wouldn't. You'd be, of course not, and neither would mine. So there's a lot that's true about what you said. How did you perceive that? The rest of us just made fun of him. Now, once they started the censorship and the platforming, remember back then they would deny it. Oh, yeah, we're taking people off air, but it's not censorship. Now they admit, no, it's censorship. We're doing this for your own good. 
So he was really the face of that, and he was working for the head of CNN that was really in charge of it. It later came out. Uh, CNN currently is not in charge. They've handed it completely over to the Justice Department to quarterback as Congress reported a few months ago with the documents. But at the time, Brian Stelter and his mini-me, uh, Oliver Darcy, his Popeye were going around calling up and harassing my sponsors, taking sponsors away, uh, and they were going around and, and organizing big tech uh, to, to take uh, not just myself, but many other people offline. And so he was destroying our free speech. He was taking our sponsors. But it's crazy. I just want to restate. You are not promoting race hatred. You're against race hatred. You never have promoted that, ever. You're not promoting violence. You've never called for violence. And you've never even called for breaking the law. And so that's why there's so much anger there, because I remember the day I did that and a few other clips that went viral. I showed all the stuff he was doing, but then the, the media attacked me and just click, clicked it out of context. But still it reverberated with people because people were sick of the corporate legacy media. So people say, well, why is he so angry? Well, it's because he's literally trying to take us off air, literally taking our sponsors. I mean, the equivalent of the Vikings a thousand years ago in England pulling up and burning a village down. And so there he is, all sweet and liberal and cackling and laughing, but he's really an agent of anti-American totalitarianism. And so he was the front man of that. And I wanted to just simply say, well, you're right. I see you, I know what you're doing. So people see out of context and think, why are you being so mean to him? Well, I mean, he's literally trying to destroy my free speech, take me off air and, and put my family on the street. So I'm pissed off at him. What's interesting is, and I, I mean, I don't know if you want me to reveal this, but we had dinner in our barn last night and... There were some drinks. And uh, after dinner, you, you and my producer called Stelter on the phone. And what was so, and, and it was on speaker, so I listened to it. What was so interesting was, you know, you've been very clear in a very direct, pretty masculine way, I would say, about how you feel about Brian Stelter. There's not a lot of confusion about your views on Stelter after clips like that, which doubtless he's seen because he Googles himself compulsively. He was very kind of syrupy sweet with you. And that's why I was sarcastic and told him I want to date him. You did. Yeah. In fact, the exact line that you had was, Brian, I'm not usually gay, but I want you. Yeah. And he seemed a little bit, I'm not saying he's open to it or whatever, but he wasn't shocked by and it. And he's like, give me your phone number. Give me, I want to talk to you. Yeah. And then he hit your producer, please give me his number right now. Let's yeah, that talk. was interesting. But, but I was being silly with him. But, but there was also a line. He goes, oh, Alex Jones. I, I, I said, I want you to come on my show. And he said, oh, you still got a show? And I went, no, you're the one that doesn't have a show. <laughs> Sorry, I said it's so, the other line. It's so boorish to like recount conversations people were witnessing. It was funny though. But you said, you know, you, you, you know, you're you're off TV now, but you were a real star. I mean, not on CNN, but on my show. <laughs> so good. Anyway, but what was interesting was if someone had talked about you that way and then called you late night after a couple of drinks, you'd say, you know, up yours, pal. You know what I mean? Like buzz off, or I'm not taking your call. But he kind of sucked up to you. That's a very weird passive-aggressive posture. And then he brags that him and Dart, I was taken off Twitter, not for the Sandy Hook stuff that came later that they focused on. Look it up. Uh, they had uh, the former head of Twitter and the, and, and the lawyer on Joe Rogan about four years ago. And Joe said, why did you ban Alex Jones? The lawyer goes, okay, let me open my, my clipboard. She goes, here's why. He was mean to Oliver Darcy. So I'm at the Capitol. They're having censorship hearings. Sundar Pichai is there. I just confronted him in the hall. Who runs Google. And you guys are welcome to use that if you want. And then that was at the Senate. So now they were going over to a House meeting, and there's Oliver Darcy in the line. He gets to get in. I don't even get into a hearing where they then attacked me. They'd attacked me at the last hearing, but I don't get to face my accuser. 
And so I get in his face. I don't threaten him, but I say, you are an evil man. You're un-American, coming after my free speech, harassing my sponsors, trying to get me off the Internet. And the last place I was on was Twitter. They'd held out. Uh, and so uh, Jack Dorsey had held out. And so Jack Dorsey admitted, well, the last straw was I bullied Oliver Darcy. And so that's why I was deplatformed. Elon Musk thinks it was the Sandy Hook thing. Uh, and, and notice, you know that in most cultures, bullying Oliver Darcy would be like a rite of passage. Like you couldn't, like that would be a positive good, right? Well, but here's the thing. He's literally on Twitter taking my sponsors, calling for me to be silenced. So he's been attacking me, attacking my speech and my, my, and my living. And then all I do is shove a camera in his face while he's waiting to go into the hearing for five minutes and say, man, you are un-American. You, you, you got some evil eyes. And I said, you really look like a piece of slime. I mean, I told him that. And well, fair, fair. And, and so the point is, he's a man. He's a, quote, journalist in the arena. He goes around harassing people and stalking them uh, financially and, and, and their free speech. He'd, he'd already bragged that he'd gotten me taken off all this other stuff and that he was instrumental, which he was. And then he can't take me saying, man, you're a jerk. They're going to destroy the planet. I believe that. Last question. Where will you be in five years? Are you going to stay in this country? Can you stay in this country? I mean, speaking of escalation, uh, again, I, I still have never figured out what your crime is, but you have been persecuted for something um, in, in, in a, an escalating way. I got two subpoenas last week. Subpoenas? I got subpoenas uh, on January 6th. Again, on a criminal investigation. We well, didn't do anything on January 6th. And I got subpoenaed in Trump's criminal trial in Georgia. On what ground? On what? And then my lawyer called and said, what is this? And uh, the, uh, they said, well, we don't just want him as a witness. He's a subject. I had nothing to do with Georgia. I'm not saying it's bad they went and challenged it. That's their right. I mean, I went and protested there. So it's just pure intimidation. So I have a problem. It's that I don't like to cut and run. I'm not the toughest guy around, but growing up in Dallas was some pretty rough people. Some big guy started a fight with me. I, I just couldn't back off. Uh, and I almost always won those fights or, or, or you know, went to the hospital trying. And so I decided to go down with the ship. Uh, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to leave the country. Uh, I'm not going to back down. And I'm going to continue to fight with everything I've got. I'll never sell out. I'll never give in. I couldn't give out. That's why support's critical and word of mouth. Because Alex Jones is seen as a focal point, like capture the flag by the globalists. If they can shut me down, they believe they can shut anybody down. They've said that. And so it's human intelligence and human action and word of mouth. Talking about Infowars.com, my show, what I do, is a test case, almost like Stalingrad in World War II, where all these forces of the globalists keep thinking, we beat this guy at this city, at this point, at this battle, we win. And so I don't think I'm even that important. I've just been chosen this main battle point. So all these grassroots people and people like you and other great folks are supporting me through just supporting the First Amendment. And, and, you know, and, and so I've got that backing, and that enrages the globalists. So the more they throw against me, the more support I get, and it's really become a historic battle. If I'm completely manned and debanked and shut down and can't operate, uh, only then would I try to evacuate somewhere to try to keep my show on the air. But I've looked at it, and I don't even think that that's the case. You know, once they disrupt and shut down something, um, it's, it, it's very hard to restart it. The good news is there are so many other great talk show hosts, so many other great people that now understand this and even have perspectives better than mine. That I'm not obsolete yet, but thanks to you and thanks to Russell Brand, they're trying to now set up. And, you know, Joe Rogan's come a long way and Steve Bannon and countless other shows that I tune into that have high-level understanding and teach me a lot. And, I'm, and my head's in the game. So 
you're our champion, Tucker, and, and, and there are other people, you know, uh, lesser. I know, you, I know you don't want to be the top dog, but you are. That's why you're under attack. Thanks to you, I know no matter what happens to me, men and women are going to continue the fight forward into the future. But this is an Alamo situation. I'm not evacuating. I'm not leaving. I'm not going. How'd they do at the Alamo? Do you remember? Everybody got killed. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, 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 but that example led to a big, big yeah, you know, my mom's family uh, raised Colonel Travis's son. And, and on my dad's side, too, they were heavily involved. First, Texas families. We have, like, Mexican land grants for our property. We still have Mexican land. We paid for 12 cents an acre, like 1825 uh, in East Texas. You know, some business. So it's not as cool as your place, but it's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, the last letter he wrote on that piece of wallpaper was uh, to one of my great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers in Gonzales, Texas, saying, please take care of my little boy. Uh, and so, uh, but Travis knew he was going to die. But he was like, I, I got 10,000 troops coming in on our 200 and something. We're going to give them one hell of a fight and kill a bunch of them before they can get up north for the main battle. And they killed thousands, 3,000, it's estimated, uh, go from memory, uh, Mexican troops. And so that'd be an honor to have like 10,000 troops coming at me and I'm in the Alamo. I, I don't have a death wish, but man, it gets me out as a kite. And, and, and so I'm not doing what Colonel Travis did. The only reason they got beat is they ran out of ammo, basically. They had powder, but no more, no more ball. And they were fighting with swords at the end. So those are tough men, and I don't even measure up to them. But I want to try to measure up. And so it's very exciting. It's, it, it's instinctive. It's spiritual to be defending humanity and prosperity and freedom and justice. against these globalist child trafficking monsters, the open border, all this evil. I mean, so my, my cells tell me to do this. My guts, my sinews say, you're ordered to do this. And I don't feel good unless I do it. And so the bigger the attacks get, it's the old World War II saying, when the planes were over the target, they didn't really have radar, but they knew the bases and the factories had flak. So they're shooting at them with artillery anti-aircraft artillery, so you flew into that. And so me, the best place I want to be is in the flak, but I also hate the flak because we can blow up and we're not in the fight anymore. So there's that paradox, but 90% of me wants to be in the flak, 10% says maybe you should steer a little around it because you don't want to get knocked out. And, and until just a few years ago, I felt really bad because it didn't seem the paradigm had been shattered and people didn't actually read the globalist documents. Now there's been a paradigm shattering and I'm almost obsolete, Tucker. And as soon as that happens, as soon as I see another couple hundred more prominent people that actually know what's going on, we've already reached a chain reaction point, I'm going to hang it up and disappear like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Alex Jones. Thank you. Thank you. What a great conversation. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your courage, Tucker. Thank you. I love your crew. Great energy. Thank you. Americana, Thank you. baby. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.